Welcome to Faith Fondue, a podcast featuring author and speaker Haley DiMaria and teacher and blogger Ann Strickers. Faith Fondue will feature a melting pot of topics ignited by a flame, our faith, and guided by the Holy Spirit. It is the week of February 13th. This is season three, episode three, and Ann, it is Super Bowl Sunday. How was your week? Uh, good morning, Haley. Hard to believe it's Super Bowl Sunday. As most of our listeners know, it's a week later this year because the NFL extended to 17 games. So I do feel a little bit off because uh, tomorrow's Valentine's Day, which I was curious to know if you did any research on St. Valentine. But yes, today we will talk a little bit about um, some milestones, some moments, um, some developments, some spinal cord injuries, today's gospel, and um, whatever else we have cooking. So talk to me, Haley. Um, where do you want to start? Okay, so yeah, well, let's start Let's start with the Super Bowl. Um, you know, I am glad that you pointed out that it is a week later. I think I knew that. I obviously knew that we went to 17 games. You know, one thing that's really interesting for me, I think about every year. So, and of course, you know, we talked about a couple weekends ago, I celebrated the 30th anniversary of our bus accident. The accident took place early on a Friday morning, January 24th. Two days later, January 26th was the Super Bowl. So that is a very, it was a blowout. The Washington Redskins killed the Buffalo Bills. That was back in the early 90s when the Buffalo Bills kind of went through that straight four-year period where they lost every year. But it's it's a very, it's a moment in in my book, but in my story, but really just in my mind and, and part of my thought process as I always move through that anniversary weekend. I remember so clearly, I love football. I grew up and still am such a huge football fan. I love the Super Bowl. I love the whole day and everything around it, for better or worse. And I remember that night the game was on and how meaningless it was to me, you know, just knowing what we were going through that weekend. And so that's something that I always think about. It's interesting because, of course, that's January 26th. And here we are three weeks yes. later. It just keeps getting, keeps, you know, it's going to turn into March Madness soon if they keep adding more <laughs> to it. So it's, I always, in my mind, I think I, the last several years, of course, it's been the first weekend in February, just dawned on me now really how late it is. But it doesn't take away from it. Still the Super Bowl. It's exciting. We we have always had a Super Bowl party we had a scaled down version last year. We just invited, you know, one family over. My Jamie and I are watching the Super Bowl tonight by ourselves. It is just the two of us, probably for the yeah. first time since before my kids were born. <laughs> so it'll be a little bit of a different one, but looking forward to it. All of that's so interesting on so many levels. First of all, yes, I do not have big plans for the Super Bowl. People have asked me, am I excited? I spent so much emotional energy on the Niners getting there that, you know, at that point you can only give so much, but I do a, an assignment in sports and spirituality called faith and football, whereby my students research both teams, the city, their fan base, uh, specific players, the faith life of certain players. It's super fun. They bring a snack to share and or canned good for uh, our local food bank. 
because Americans eat more on Super Bowl Sunday mm -hmm. than any other day of the year, minus Thanksgiving Day. So I like to kind of tie in those ideas. But I went to mass this morning and the I was a little disappointed. The pastor didn't even mention that it was Super Bowl Sunday. It's usually a day with a lot of energy and excitement around it. And Haley, I'm going to dinner with my roommates as well. I'm playing golf. Um, it feels a little different. It shouldn't, um, but you know, go Bengals, I guess. They kind of have a compelling story, the Cinderella team and Joe Burrow and their young coach. I mean, it's, it's still exciting. I have to admit both teams are very interesting. So I hope it's a great game. Um, I will check in on the halftime show. I usually enjoy that. Um, so yeah, we'll see where it goes. Well, certainly a lot to talk about and a lot to think about. Uh, there's something to be said for not having an emotional stake in the game. I think or, there's or something, of, of course, when our team is in it, it is, you're, we are really passionate about it, but I'm with you. Just hoping for a good game, hoping for entertaining commercials, everything that, that goes with it. But it, it it's, it's lacking some things this year. Uh, and I don't know what that is. It's right in the middle of the Winter Olympics. You know, perhaps we're a little pulled back and forth between what we want to watch there. But um, we'll be watching. We'll be cheering. My, I hope the Bengals win. I don't really care. But again, hoping for a good game. So it, well, I'm glad you mentioned the Winter Olympics because I want to mention that. But it does beg. So I'm, I'm still thinking about, you know, the January 26th date for that Super Bowl because this is so counterintuitive to professional sports. But I have, I'm almost like making this argument, like, you know, into the wind, the wrong direction. I think so many sports leagues and seasons should contract. I do not think they should expand. For example, Major League Baseball now goes into November with the World Series. Hockey, I, I can't even, you know, why you were watching the NFL, NHL finals in, you know, May or June, it's just too much. And they won't do it because of revenue. The NBA season goes on forever, starting in, October, October, if not early November, and again, finishing in May, June, June. contract, contract, and it, they, they won't do it. No, I, it hurt like with the base, with the uh, NBA lockout a few a years ago, the season was shortened and it started in December and it was just so much better, but there's too much at stake. It's, it's all about revenue. Unfortunately, it's not what's best for the athletes. It's not what's best for us as yeah. fans. It, it really is right. all about revenue. It, it reminds me of uh, an article I read. A lot of people are pushing for this, the Super Bowl. Not a lot, but there is a movement to push the Super Bowl to a Saturday night because productivity at work tomorrow is just not what it should be or could be. It's, you know, Super Bowl Monday is a lot of people come in late. They take the day off. It yep. there is there is There are a lot of good reasons to move the Super Bowl to Saturday. Interesting. The, the one reason they won't, and no one will say this, is because if you move, because the host city invests so much in having the Super Bowl there and has paid so much money to have the Super Bowl in their home city, they will lose an entire day of revenue by moving it a day early. If you Not can come up with a better reason why they won't move it, let me know. But it, I, I can guarantee you it's got to all be about money, not about anything else. So, Well, if you're in Cincinnati, they did declare public schools will be or will not be in session tomorrow. 
in anticipation of a victory or for <laughs> licking their wounds. So they have, the city has followed your advice, Haley. That's super interesting. I have been told after NFL wins on Sundays in general, American cities are more productive, hmm. they have said. But that's be, the Super Bowl is a different animal because of, like you were saying, you have a party every year. It's a great reason to get together. I too, I usually go to one. I'm not this year. I don't, I don't know if it's still a COVID hangover or whatnot, but you did mention the winter Olympics and they've been fantastic. And I asked my students to tell me what is the Olympic spirit? And a number of them really struggled to describe Mm -hmm. what is the Olympic spirit. And I don't know, I, you know, I don't know for how many Americans they grew up loving the Olympics, watching the Olympics, you know, winter games often draw less viewers, um, fewer contests, maybe fewer people identify with some of the sports than they do with the summer games. But people have been asking, are the Olympics as popular? I hope they are always as popular and meaningful. They certainly are for the athletes. Any thoughts on that? So yes, because I, I like most Americans, prefer the Summer Olympics over the Winter Olympic Games, probably because they are sports that I identify with more and are more familiar with. But I, I have taken a particular interest in this Winter Olympics, and I, I don't know why. I've watched them more than I typically do. I appreciate the stories behind it. I'm still very fascinated, and we don't need to get into this because... As we have always claimed, our podcast is like Switzerland and very politically neutral. Uh, the The idea that the the games were even held in China is is super controversial. But I one thing that was in particularly interesting to me and my own growth, I think maybe as a person or awareness, is the the story of Sean White. So he, of course, is the most famous snowboarder out there and really founded the sport in terms of being a pioneer for awareness. This is his fifth Olympic games. It's his last Olympic games. I watched his last run. He was very emotional. I was emotional for him. I have zero interest in snowboarding. And I remember when he first, when snowboarding was, you know, first became part of the Olympics and he was the flying tomato and he had this wave, massive wave of red hair. And I remember thinking that is a, I was just, I, I, I really, I can't even remember. And I'm not even sure I want to admit what I thought about the sport. I was quite appalled that this snowboarding sport with these crazy kids with long hair were sullying the Olympics in a certain way, which I hold in such high esteem it, um, I, I probably, I just was 20 years younger and I don't know what, but, um, it was, it's, it was amazing for me to see how much I enjoyed watching the snowboarding and appreciating it as a sport and really in awe of Sean White and what he has done to grow the sport. This is something he's clearly passionate about. I loved seeing him cheer for the younger snowboarders for, uh, you know, the 16-year-old boy boy from Japan who won the gold medal, who did moves that Sean White has never done. And knowing that he laid that foundation and then he's cheering for the future of the sport, it was 
it was really neat to see, but it, uh, it, it also reminded me that I need to not probably be so judgmental about things that I don't know, because clearly 20 years ago when snowboarding came out, I knew nothing about it. I thought it was this kind of renegade, off-kilter sport, and uh, I've really grown to appreciate it. Yeah. Well, I think about a couple things, you know, sports do develop and grow and uh, that's certainly happened in our lifetime. And it is interesting because you're right. We, it is not a sport that we necessarily, our parents would have taught to us or we would have been familiarized with. And now you ask people and they identify as either a snowboarder or a, a skier. There's no doubt about that. So just to just see the development of this sport, the growth and how it changes and that's true with any sport. I I would I don't I can't speak to swimming in terms of like how it's changed over time based on a suit, <laughs> but I know in golf, golf is certainly regarded as much more athletic today than it ever was. Um, the equipment has only improved. Has the game changed? Well, yeah, because of the equipment. But that's an interesting way to frame what he did and um, how you appreciate it. I don't snowboard, I don't ski, but I certainly see their athleticism. And, um, you know, that's probably something we just have to put a context for. So it's, um, yeah, I thought his remark, one of his remarks was that he was just glad to be done because the pressure is off. The pressure to be number one, the pressure to perform. So congratulations to him on a great career. And I'm sure this is not the end of snowboarding for him, but to compete at the highest level, it, he can close that chapter. And, and hopefully just enjoy it you know, without the pressure, yeah. right? To just snap on the snowboard and, and have a good time. It is kind of cool. I, I certainly do not have that type of personality because you did, you know, every sport does kind of have its own personality. So you're right in terms of renegade. Um, a little edgy. You know, yeah, adrenaline seeking, that would not, I, that does not resonate with me. I think it's cool. It's just not the way I'm wired. Um, but for those people that are, I'm glad they have that outlet and that way to be in the, you know, snow. Yes. It's beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So what else do you have going on this week? Winter Olympics, Super Bowl. What's going on, Anne? Yeah, well, I guess what I'd like to share, um, and it'll be related to what I'm going to speak about in the spiritual stew, I wrote, I started a blog in 2009 and I have now had a thousand posts. So I want to kind of earmark that. This is so typical me. I thought I had published 999 and I was gearing up for number 1000 and I actually hit publish on number 1000. So I will celebrate technically 1001 as the landmark or milestone and it's also related to yeah, a quote from Father um, Basil Moreau, the founder of Holy Cross. You know, Haley, this past week, I just had a number of events where I thought his words were so fitting. Um, he says the following, we need a sense of balance to keep us well poised between praise and ridicule. The important point is for us to accept everything with equal conformity to the will of God. I swear, I don't know if you have these weeks, I had things this week that you know, went really well and things that were, I, I messed up. I just messed up or people see things differently than I do. And I feel ridiculed and it, it really keeps us human. So for those of our listeners who want to 
maybe you can share in those moments where we have both. Overall, I would say my blog has been a source of great joy. I I do not feel like it's something, I, I it's overall very positive, very uplifting. It's not a place that I um, am overly critical of society or sport in particular or the Catholic church. That's not the point of it. But you write something that's personal and you don't know. You don't know how people are going to receive it. Or I had meetings this week where I just felt very humbled. And um, thank you, Father Moreau. It's all part of being human and conforming to the will of God. So it is a milestone and I'm happy to share uh, Notre Dame Women Connect. We will be offering a retreat, uh, reunion weekend, and the theme will be on milestones. So we'll gather around the 50th anniversary of co-education at Notre Dame. And the retreat is uh, entitled Called to be Daughters of God, the Grace of Milestones. So looking forward to that milestone um, that you and I share in common, Notre Dame being co-educational, but celebrating a thousand blog posts, or in this case, a thousand and one. That's exciting. I, it, you know, that that's, that is something to reflect on. Think of the words that you've written over the past thousand blog posts and think, because you know, if, you, if you've, you've probably learned, and it might've taken a while to learn, every blog post is going to connect with at least someone, right? Someone's going to read something in there and they're going to have kind of an ah moment. And I'm sure there's more than one in many of them. But so think of it that way. I mean, that's a huge milestone. A thousand blog posts, that's a thousand lives you've touched in some way. And that's that's really the goal too. Um, so congratulations on that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's been, it's been really fun and it's a creative outlet for me. And my hope is not that everyone has a blog post. My hope is that everyone has a creative outlet somewhere where they um, can express themselves, whether it's through music, art, poetry, even sport. For me, it's writing a blog and it's also kind of a barometer on my, I don't know if you want to say, not necessarily mental health or spiritual health, but it's part of it because in order to be creative, you have to have enough sort of tension in your life or like in demands so that you have to, you know, there's a timeliness to it, but also enough rest that these ideas can kind of spring up and be born. So well, whatever I, that is. For, yeah. And it. I do think it's, you know, I've read, obviously read your blog and it is a spiritual exercise. I, I have found, and I've been very lax in in any sort of blogging on my own website. There are times where I'm very good about it. There's times when I'm really terrible and I go through month-long droughts. But what I find is the opportunity to reflect because of course we don't just sit down and write. We we think about something or an idea comes to mind during the week and we make a note of it or we it, it really is a spiritual exercise to get into the mode of constantly thinking about what you're going to write about and and then putting it all together in a way that you do so well which is tying different moments and parts of your lives together you know one being sport and spirituality so it's it is it is a spiritual exercise and i think it's very good for your spiritual and mental health to to have that time to reflect because it does take time and it takes time for yourself and it takes time where it's just you and your thoughts and i think that's good for everyone it's it's not something i've been as good about for various reasons but um so congratulations not only for sharing but also for the gift that given you've given yourself as well 
Well, thank you. And thanks for reading and supporting that. And you know, anytime people recognize something that's important to a person, I think that's, I mean, that's essential. Um, Matthew Kelly was speaking about intimacy this last week, and it's really the desire to be known by other people. Really, that's what true intimacy is, is the opening up of a person. You know, sometimes we say vulnerability, but I think, you know, intimacy is a place where a person feels close that they can open themselves up. So we are all have different levels of comfort with that. And, you know, I do open myself up through um, a blog, but I, I do think artists do that or poets do that. Mm -hmm. They are creating something. Yeah, they are vulnerable. They are creating something. It is an intimate, um, you know, act or good, if you will. So um, maybe some things for people to chew on there in the stew. Yes. Our spiritual. Yeah. So thank you. Thanks for your support. Of course. So this week I read an interest. I let, I read a, a newspaper article that which led me to to do a little more investigating and reading our investigative little I am <laughs> well reporter. again I in addition to not growing up catholic I this is just not something that was part of my upbringing so you know as I tell parents at school our children don't know things unless we teach it to them so they don't know how to say thank you unless we teach them or they don't know how to share unless we teach them very basic skills that we think everyone should know. And I feel that way about my faith and the Catholic Church. I don't know any of this unless I'm going to read about it because I wasn't raised this way. So I read an article about some assistant rectors at, in dorms at the University of Notre Dame in women's dorms and how they are. There was two of them in particular that, that this article referenced. Uh, they are master's in theology students or master, getting their master's in divinity. And they have started lecturing or sharing reflections on the gospel at the end of mass and how it's really blossomed into this following because I would imagine that these young women who are living in the dorms with the students who are studying theology and then offering reflections on the gospel are probably very interesting. I would imagine that they have very relevant reflections for these students. So they've, they've, they've created this following. And in some ways I thought about you and I, right? We have our gospel reflection and, and, and many times we, we will discuss an actual gospel reading and, and give our own reflections on it in the stew today for, and, and oftentimes I would say maybe 50, 50, I will find another piece of writing or a poem, or maybe it's the first or second reading that we'll talk about, but I, it, I, there is such a need for diverse thought. And in this case, I'm talking about male and female thoughts on reading the gospel and reflecting and sharing it. There are, I don't know what the pop, I don't know what the percentage of population from male to female people in the world are, but let's just say 50%. We only have, we only have male deacons and priests who are offering their thoughts on the gospel they they can only have the male perspective and and what a gift it is for these young women these assistant rectors and 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 perhaps i would like to think you and i sharing our female thoughts on the gospel and how we see it in terms of being women so i started reading about that and investigating it because 
I, I obviously know we have the Pope and then we have the Cardinals and then we have the bishops and then you go down to the priests in, in the hierarchy of the Catholic Church and then we have deacons. And, and I, I, I think I knew that deacons were ordained, but I didn't quite, that was something that was reaffirmed for me if I didn't, if I, whether I knew it or not, I was reading about that and that deacons can only be male. I think I knew that too, but again, I'm reading all about this this week. And what I didn't know was that there are two different kinds of deacons. You have transitional deacons and permanent deacons. Transitional deacons are, many of you may know, I did not, um, men who are in the seminary who are going, who will eventually within a year or so be ordained a priest. So that is a transition where they are transitioning into priesthood. I would imagine the deacon is that step. Permanent deacons are ordained deacons. They can be married. They cannot get married while they are a deacon. They have to already be married. Their wife has to be part of the process. They, there's a whole bunch of different roles, but they can be married. But none of them can be women. And the Pope Francis has put together a commission to investigate that. Should they allow women to be deacons? And I am going to be super curious to see what comes out of this because, of course, my thought is yes, because we just can speak and preach and God's going to work through us like God's going to work through a male deacon. And I I will be curious to see what comes of this. I will be following it more carefully than I was two weeks ago when I had no idea about this. I will say that <clears throat> the official spokesperson from Notre Dame said that they will follow what the Pope says and what comes out of it. Um, anyway, just really interesting for me as part of, again, my own faith growth was learning about what this would be like. I have always thought that being a priest and being able to share and connect with people in a very spiritual way would be really powerful. I think that's what you do during your blog. I think that's what I, I know that's what I try to do when I share my own story and preach the, or, or speak or, or present maybe is a better word, but it, it's so powerful to connect with people in that very raw spiritual way. And what a gift it would be for so many people to have that female perspective um, begin to be shared in the Catholic faith. Of course, there are many other faiths uh, that have been doing it a lot longer uh, for many years. So super interesting for me personally to just read through that and learn more about that this week. Thank you for sharing. I, I was not aware of that. I think it's about, about what was happening at Notre Dame, and I'm really encouraged because a friend of mine who lives in a dorm, you know, Notre Dame might be a good bellwether for Catholicism in the country. Uh, I personally think that there's definitely people on the left and on the right that think one thing or another about the University of Notre Dame, but I, I do think Notre Dame has a lofty goal of being the preeminent Catholic university and it should, you know, hey, go for it. However, it, it because it does have the left and the right and it has everything in between, it's interesting to hear when I, when I hear that, you know, more students are not going to dorm mass. I am that just it aches my heart because it's such a formative part of my experience um, at you know in Farley Hall as a you know alumna etc. So there's they're finding a way to connect with young people. Um, I've been at schools where the priest the presider will get out of quote unquote out of the way 
to allow for a quote unquote reflection on the gospel because you can't call it a homily. But this seems interesting to me because what I'm hearing you say, Haley, is they're still going through the mass. And then at the end, they're offering a reflection that is probably nourishing, thoughtful, relevant. If it's feeding our sheep, I think that's wonderful. And Notre Dame is being respectful by saying, we will honor what the Holy Father says in light of all of this. I do think there was a time where there were female deacons. I think there's historical precedent for allowing a female diaconate. That is part of the exploration. There's no precedent for female priests. That's part of the tension or problems, but it would certainly be a gift. My only other question is we live in a society that's increasingly blurring lines about gender. And so I don't, of course, that female's voice matters, but I was told recently not to call students, it was a context, daughters or sons. It was to refer to them as child. So I don't know. <laughs> One step at a time, Anne. I, I, Pope Francis... I just, well, Pope Francis is trying to change 2,000 years of the Catholic Church here. And... Um, so we'll see. we'll see. Let's take it one step at a time. But you're right. We live in a very transitional, complicated, highly politically charged, even though it shouldn't be, society. And I think that is exactly why we need so many more voices for that spiritual nourishment. We're losing it. It's. I had a really interesting conversation with someone last week about the media and 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 not as it relates to the news but as it, as it relates to programming and the programming that is out there for young people is in his words really awful if those are the only role models that our young people are seeing on tv and we were talking about a, a couple of particular shows they don't know any different. It goes back to what I was, what I said several minutes ago about if we don't teach our children something, they don't know it. So if they are only exposed to a certain type of programming that is prevalent, that's all they're going to know. They're going to think that's the only path, and that we're we need to balance we need to balance it out with with what many people would probably call wholesome paths or um, you know just programming and media that that has a different influence. I don't want to say a positive influence. I happen to think it's a positive influence, but that's just my perception, but just a different, a different perspective and a different influence. Just yeah. like I believe in how, how essential it is to hear from, from female leaders in the church. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't disagree that I, you, that was your initial point is that diverse points of view, diverse voices, they add, we all benefit from that. Mm-hmm. I, there was a quote recently that you cannot have unity without diversity. And it was maybe speaking to the reality of the human experience. Um, so thank you for sharing that. Really, I'd love to see, I'd love to, I wonder if they tape any of those, but I just, you know, these students who are getting their MDiv, they have to preach. That's part of it. Um, it's something for, you know, a number of Holy Cross, all Holy Cross priests have a master's in divinity. So part of their formation is homiletics. So it's great that these women have found a place by which to use that gift. 
Yes. And using your voice, whether it's through a blog, whether through your public speaking, whether it's through reflection on the homily, that is the ultimate good. So uh, this week, maybe I will, I think my takeaway from this, Taylor, is to think about a different voice. Because I've been listening to kind of some of the same voices um, for my prayer recently. And I um, would like to just broaden the circle a little bit. So that's that's great. I and you know it's I started off talking about the Winter Olympics and how I've grown in terms of accepting snowboarding into <laughs> into an acceptable sport, but it's it's no different than what we're talking about in our spiritual life too, right? Diversity of sport is just as important as diversity of thought. And you're right. I love I'm going to I'm going to look into more of that quote of we need diversity for unity or to have unity we need diversity. I I truly believe that and I think what I'm learning as I as I go through and navigate life how critical that is to a healthy society and how critical it is to exposing all aspects of our lives to all aspects of diversity. So I did not read much. Tomorrow is Valentine's Day. I did not do any investigating into the life of St. Valentine. I know some, but it, and it is for me, it's a day to celebrate love. It is not a day to celebrate romantic love. So to, this week, I'm going to celebrate in many ways, in every way I can. My goal is to navigate this week with love, love of everything, not just my husband. That That's my goal. It's been a crazy few weeks. We all know I had a crazy month in January. I am going to do my best to make every decision, every thought, that's going to be the tough one, every word, that'll be easier, that comes from a place of love. I put in a bad pun here. I love it. Really? <laughs> Great. Just, well, don't, just don't ask me how I did. <laughs> Thank you for the reminder of what St. Valentine really had, you know, as a, as a saint, as someone beloved by God called all of us to. So pray for that this week. Have a great week. You too. Thanks, Anne.